Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Man, my hockey team looks terrible this year. How's yours doing? Well, we we beat the Montreal Canadiens and uh, my team was not happy. And when I say we, I am still talking about the New York Rangers and not Seattle Kraken. Although... Well, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> I got tickets through OfferUp and I was very nervous purchasing them because who knows how dodgy that is for the New York Rangers Seattle Kraken game on Halloween in a few weeks. I am absolutely jazzed to be able to see um, the Rangers play. So... They beat Nashville last night too, which was really, I was stoked. Nice, nice. Good, good for at least one of us is enjoying the season so far. But anyways, <laughs> folks are listening for our hockey discussion. This week, we had a great a great discussion with Yaron Hezrani, and I apologize if I've messed up that name, but he talked about this new capability exporting teams data in various different ways. Very, very cool. It was, I was, it was great. So I came in for all the folks to, to find that. Um, lot, lots of stuff you can get out of there, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Quite a lot. So, so it's a somewhat lengthy, so we're, we're going to skip news this week uh, because a lot of information to cover. And so I uh, hope you find these guys and gals find it interesting and look forward to chatting again next time. Yep. I hope you enjoy and uh, please keep the feedback coming on who you want on the show. This one came from a bunch of people that wanted to hear directly from the people who kind of worked on this stuff. So it's great. This week on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Yaron. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. I'm glad to be here. My name is Yaron Hezroni, and I'm a principal program manager in the Teams platform and ISV ecosystem group. We work with partners across the globe to help them build SaaS and app solutions for Teams. And this week we are discussing about how we can export content out of Teams with some new APIs. So uh, to start with, uh, we're looking at, we'll put a, a link in the notes that talks about this page to export content with the Teams export APIs. And so let's start with the basic one. What are the Teams export APIs? Yeah, so I will actually take a step back. So we have several APIs to extract team messages, both channel and chat messages. So one of those APIs is called the Export API, and that is an API that allows you to extract messages at, at bulk, right? Um, you know, all the messages for a specific user for a specific duration of time, or all the messages for, for a specific team and across all the channels uh, for a duration of time. There are other APIs that we released, uh, which called uh, the Change Notification API, which allows you to subscribe to team messages from chat or channel in real time. So this is another high value scenario to extract messages for teams in real time that is required for different type of applications. It's, yeah, so, the, so and I guess we could also just do the regular, give me the, 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 kind of the messages in a, in a chat and use the Delta API or paging, right? So this seems a little bit different in bulk. And then just to clarify, you said this is, the, the intent here is not for real time, right? You're, you're saying the, there's a, the notifications are a better solution for a real time export or, or capture? Yeah, so, so the trans notification API is leveraged in applications that require real-time access to the messages. As the message being sent to the recipient on Teams, it's also being become available in the webhook kind of chain notification callback URL. And so that's a chain notification API. Export API allow it's a REST API that allows you to extract 
a large set of messages in, in, in one call. We do have other set of REST APIs that are, you know, to get a specific message or a specific channel message or, or chat message or a delta of a message. And those, those REST APIs do not give you the ability to extract a lot of messages at once, right? So they are available for specific use cases, and uh, you know you can you can definitely leverage those both in delegated permission or, or some of them with application permissions for for that use case. But the the main difference is that export allows you it has higher throttling rates and it allows you to extract bulk set of messages usually needed in applications like. Um, you know, backup or compliance archiving solutions. And so was this a demand that we heard from partners and customers you're on that kind of got this to the top of our list of to-dos? I mean, you mentioned S&C, like security and compliance. Like, is this because they're pulling data out of bulk for a particular business use case? Yes, exactly. All of our regulated, you know, financial services and other regulated customers have compliance requirements. And so in the compliance space, you need to capture every every message and every instance of the message, whether you like it or you know, you whether you like the message or uh, send attachment of files. So anything needs to be captured. You need to capture that for the user that is subject to compliance. So you can imagine if you if you use the REST API that we have to get a single message that that will not be so scalable for those type of applications, right? Because you will need to go and check all teams in the, in, the, in the tenant and for all teams get all channels and for all channels get all, you know, message thread and for each message thread get the message reply chain or delta. And so if you do need to do this across a tenant for a compliance purpose, very quickly you'll hit the graph uh, limit and that, you know, those type of APIs will not uh, be scalable or, or satisfy the requirement. So Export API actually interfaces with the user uh, mailbox where messages, team messages are stored at rest and allows you to extract all messages for a specific user, again, across a specific time frame. So you can say, get me all of uh, Jeremy's messages from the last week or from the last three months. And so one API call with consecutive pages that you need to kind of scroll through to get through all the messages. But that, that's kind of the benefit of Export API uh, specifically. And, and I guess, you know, my days at working at various ISVs where we were hoovering up, and actually this was before Teams existed, but hoovering up SharePoint files or hoovering up messages in people's mailboxes, like this API is designed for that scenario so that you're not doing the walk the tree of, you know, Teams and channels and threads and individual chats and then actions on the chats. So you're kind of getting it all in one big payload. Correct. So in, in the case of a, of a, of a team, for example, you can use the expert API, as I said, for a user, get chats, you know, slash user, you know, with user ID. Or you can, if you need, if you need the team channel messages, you can extract all messages of a specific team. So that one API call with the team ID gives you all the messages across all channels of that team. So you can see how this can be useful for applications that need to, you know, extract and export all the messages in a minimum number of calls. So one of the big questions we had when this came out in in general availability recently was the fact there are two models. How comes there are two models? Is this model A and a model B? Yeah, so that, that's a very good question. Uh, so we designed these APIs for the security and compliance applications, right? So 
those APIs require license, uh, you know, E5 license for, for the customer who access, you need to access data of, and, you know, with that license, you get some seed capacity and et cetera. So there's a whole business model around the expert API for security and compliance. As we work with the, with our ecosystem through the beta period, we quickly understood that there are other scenarios that can benefit from this type of API. Uh, so what, what we implemented is basically uh, an ability to call the API with two different business models. You uh, distinguish that with a model kind of query parameter. So what we are asking developers to do is to declare in their API call, what's the use case for this, for this API. If the use case is for security and compliance purposes, they need to declare model equal A that will invoke the, the license kind of enforcement, and with the license enforcement, it will provide the seeded capacity for the licensed users you know, to use the API. And so only licensed user data will come through the API when, you're in, you know, when you operate it with model A. For the non-security compliance scenario, so for example, a backup solution. Backup is an IT pro kind of uh, standard practice uh, that, that all, all our partners, all our customers need, need some backup solutions. We don't want to enforce licenses on, on that type of solution. Backup should be available for every you know, enterprise customer. For backup, which is a non-security compliant solution, you can call the API with model equal B, and that will invoke the non-SNC business kind of model and, and terms of use. And in that case, no license will be, uh, will be enforced, but consumption will start from, from start for uh, you know, when you call the API for model B. How are you enforcing that? Sorry. So like if I'm a developer and I'm like, well, I know this customer's got E5 and so therefore I can just use model A and get it free up to that seeded capacity before I start getting billed. What measures have you got in place to make sure people are doing the right thing? Yeah. So first of all, we have, we, we trust our developers, right? We trust them to use the API pair the, the terms of use of the API. So the terms of use is described really well in, in the terms of use document. Um, and the, uh, the intention is for security and compliance solutions, developer who build those solutions to call the API with model A and those who do not use the uh, security compliance or not developing security and compliance solutions to call it with model B. If you are using the wrong model declaration for your application, you are basically going over the terms of use. You're violating the terms of use of the API and that's not a good thing in general. For the preview periods, license were on licenses were always required, you know, since we, we had these APIs even in preview, but they were not enforced. So that's an important part developer need to understand. So license always was required for, to access the API and was mentioned in terms of use of the API. With the GA of the API, we also included code in the API call to enforce the license. So when you call the API, the expert API for a specific user, that user need to be licensed. And if the user is not licensed with the proper E5 or one of the E5 add-ons, the API will return a 402 error telling you, you know, this user is not licensed to use this API. Uh, so that, that's an important change that came with the GA and developer need to understand that. If you're querying based on a user across the tenant and you've put model A in the query string, will you just get billed or do you need to recall it once you get that 402 and say model B for that user? How is that working? Very good question. I'm sure a lot of people will want to understand how this works, and we will publish the right documentation when, when the consumption will actually kick in. So 
uh, it's good to understand that what we announce is the business model of the consumption and, uh, and the enforcement. Enforcement is already in place today. So if you code API you know, today with model A, you know, the license check will, will be checked and only licensed user data will, will pass through the API. Also for the webhook, kind of the change notification API, if you call it with model A, you will only get uh, the licensed users in that tenant uh, through the API, right? So notification only for the licensed users. Once the commerce platform will be released, we will announce it. We'll provide some uh, time notice to kind of a 30-day notice, I think, will be sent before charges will start to occur. But the API will require subscription through the Azure tenant where you register the app ID with, right? So today you go, you, res- you register an app ID to access Graph API, and, and that access to those APIs is, is, has no, no charge. Uh, for these specific APIs that are being monetized, developers will be requested to go in and add their Azure subscription ID uh, through the Azure portal. Uh, and so once, once the app ID is connected with the subscription ID, the meters will, will kick in when, when consumption occurs, uh, whether it's above the city capacity or, or straight you know, from with Model B. Um, and you will, you know, developer will see those charges coming in their monthly Azure uh, bill, right? So it will be just another line for the Azure, uh, Azure bill for graph consumption. Right. And so if I look on the licensing page quickly, because I know people are probably driving in their car going, oh, I wonder how much this is going to cost. If you are querying about a particular user, they are, the seeded capacity, i.e. if they're an E5 user, is 800 messages per user per month per app. So if you're an app developer, you're isolated from other apps in that tenant. And then with the notifications was 800 notifications per user per month per app as well. And then once you hit that CD capacity for each individual licensed user, then you're charged 0.00075 per message. So you've got to be doing a thousand messages to get seven. Am I doing my math right in my head? A thousand messages to get seven, seven cents. Seventy-five cents per thousand messages. So that's kind of how they're doing it. Yeah. So let let me clarify that a little bit uh, further. The seeded capacity is a seeded capacity we give of messages we give the customer for uh, the use of the API under a license term, right? So if you are a security compliance solution. You declare the API used with Model A. Uh, only licensed user data can pass through the API with Model A. And for a- each licensed user, we give the tenant some seeded capacity, right? So we expect that majority of the customers using 16 compliance solution will not, will not see uh, any consumption fees. It's only when you breach that seeded capacity level that that might generate some fees for, for that exceed, exceed user uh, usage. The 800 number that you mentioned, that's the seeded capacity for accessing the change notification slash webhook API. Um, so, and, and for export API, uh, the seed capacity is 1600 messages per, per user uh, per month. So if you think about a tenant with, uh, let's say uh, 10,000 users and only 100 users are licensed in that tenant, when you call it the, X, the chain notification API for that tenant, only messages from those 100 users will be returned. And the tenant at whole will have 
a capacity of 100 users times 800, 80,000 messages can be sent through the Webhook API each month without generating any consumption fees. Okay. So it's not like if you blow up the 800 notifications for one particular user, it's not like you stop paying for that user. It's a cumulative amount across the population of licensed users. That's correct. So it's it's the, it's allocation per user, but it's aggregated at the tenant level. Right. So you can have uh, half of you, you users not sending any message, and half of the user can send, uh, you know, double the message, and you'll still be the average is, uh, will be counted. Because I was, I think I'd blow my limit with you in the amount of times I message you on Teams asking you <laughs> questions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we have to start to think about uh, how many messages we're sending. Now, we don't want we don't want to limit messaging, uh, sending messages in Teams. You didn't ask me that, but I will I will add it here. To maintain a high availability, high you know efficient, scalable, real time access to team messages is not cheap, right? So we want to make sure that we maintain this type of system for our, you know platform for our developers and. You know, with the seed capacity, we we you know we we don't like you. Customers buy a license, and the license is expensive, and at some sometimes depends which license they buy, right? So with that, we we acknowledge you know they get an allocation of messages, and we expect most of the customers not to breach the that seed capacity. But for those cases, and we do see when we look at the data, we do see some customers that are just really blowing our our metrics there, right? And they send. You know, millions of messages, and so we don't. You know, in the chat notification API, for example, we. I mean, there, there's no, there's no throttling limits, right? But we somehow need to compensate for that excessive, excessive usage of the platform, and that's that's where the, those fees kind of uh, generate for to to uh, maintain, uh, maintain cogs for you know for the platform. I just want to add that if 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 the tenant in my example before sent ninety thousand messages, remember, so the hundred users. Licensed, tenant has eighty thousand messages allocated free to pass through the API. If they send ninety thousand messages, then for the first eighty thousand messages, they will not get billed. For for the remaining ten thousand messages, they will get billed with the rate that you mentioned. So it's a uh, seventy-five cents per thousand messages. You know, for that excess usage, they will get charged seven point five dollar per month, right? For ten thousand messages, that's what it comes to. You know, so a couple of things I want to dive into on that. You mentioned you know these ninety thousand messages, right? But if I'm in this scenario A, where we're looking at the the people who have the specific license, right? And and in looking through the API that I see here, I can I can say I want the messages for user one or user two, user three, right? And and so this numbers you're talking about are, are restricted to that set of users, right? I, as, a, as a developer, I can kind of control, right? If I Do I want to get every message for every user or do I just a subset, right? Am I, am I understanding that correctly? So you cannot control what the API returns back, right? So in the chain notification API, let's order in things. So chain notification API, which is the webhook subscription model, this is the push notification model. The developer subscribe to the service on behalf of the tenant to get messages from that tenant in real time. So any messages being created will be sent through the API, again, for only for the licensed users. And so you cannot really control and say, hey, I, I only want the first 10 messages from the user, or I want just messages from, from two users and not, not the whole 100 users that are licensed. So that's the change notification API. There's no, you cannot, you know, it's, it's, it's tenant-wide application permission to get all messages from that tenant. All right. So that's very different from a, 
a webhook change notification that we do in Exchange where you can subscribe to a user's mailbox or to a site collection. Like you're subscribing at that tenant level. We, I, well, we do have that ability. You can subscribe with the same change notification API to different type of resources, right? So you can subscribe for a specific thread or a specific channel. But when you need to subscribe to the tenant, like again, a DLP solution, you want to deploy DLP with a tenant. You don't want to, to maintain, you know, 10,000 subscriptions for the 10,000 channels, right? So you, you, will, you will subscribe, you'll create two subscriptions, one for the all channels messages from that tenant and another subscription for all chat messages. And so now with two subscription, you get all the messages being sent and you can, you can leverage that for DLP solution. In the case, and it's and if you did that with Model A, you're only going to get notifications from the e, the licensed users, not all users. That's the trick, right? Correct. So that that's implementation and, and policy, right? So remember, from the start, ask and request was to only leverage this with licensed users during the preview time and and to change notification even during the last year when we were at GA already, because we did not enforce the licenses. When you made a call to subscribe to a tenant, you got all messages from that tenant, licensed or non-licensed users. And we heard from customers like, we don't want to send all messages to, to this third-party developer application. We only want to send the messages of the users that we you know, are licensed for and want to do compliance solution for. Um, so this is something that customers are, are asking us, hey, that, you know, we want to make sure that when we send messages for DLP, for compliance archiving, you know, we only send those messages that we, you know, those users that we agree that we want to do compliance for. And so with the license enforcement, this is important because I know there are some solutions out there that took advantage of the fact that we did not enforce licenses, right? And got all messages from the tenant, you know, to provide their solution. And so with this new change, we enforce licenses Security compliance solutions need to understand that only messages sent by licensed users will come in through the API. And of course, if you call the API with Model B, well, you'll get all messages from the tenant, but it will also uh, uh, every message will be will be um, the consumption meter will work on every every message on like every reuser, regardless of them being E5 or not. Uh, correct. And so this is this is a scenario where you want to do a backup for the tenant, or you want to do a, a solution that does uh, sentiment analysis or, or analytics. So here you have a choice. If you wanted to do across the tenant, okay, you can subscribe with Model B. You get all messages, all channel messages, and all chat messages flowing to your solution to provide some analytics for. Or if you want to do it just at the team level, you can go and subscribe for a specific channels, right? For example, you can say, hey, I, I just want it for this channel. Maybe that team is a regulated customer you're working with and they need to track it for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, but what's, what I had missed originally, and which I think I want to call out, is that there's a, a different, when I make the subscription request, I'm specifically targeting a, a higher scope, which is then subject to this licensing. But I can still do a subscription on a specific chat, for example, and that works just like everything has always worked. Is that have I got that right? <laughs> you can subscribe to a specific channel thread or a chat thread, and we'll introduce additional resources. Yeah, but you can also subscribe. Today we have still in beta, but available. You can subscribe to channel and team notifications, right? So this is not the message itself, but notification around 
and new channels being created or, you know, members, you can, sub- you can subscribe to member changes as well if you would like to understand who joined or left a, a thread or a channel. So all those notifications are provided through the chain notification API, which is not team specific, by the way, right? So chain notification API allows you to subscribe to many other, you know, M365 assets like, like calendar or SharePoint uh, events. On the team events, you know, we, we implemented this business model around the, the notification shared uh, for, um, you know, for team messages, channels, team's notification and membership notifications. And I guess what, I, what I'm trying to understand is, is every subscription then subject to the seated capacity or the licensing, or is it just these sp- special ones at the tenant level that are subject to this new pricing model? Yes. Right now, what we announce is the tenant, tenant uh, level subscriptions uh, are subject to the seated capacity. If you subscribe to the specific thread or channel today, those subscriptions do not follow that business model. Uh, that can change in the future, uh, but you know currently you, you don't have to um, to declare model A or model B, you know, with with that lower level call. Yeah. Okay. And then now the other part of this though is I can make a specific request to get messages for a user or for a team, right? And so yeah. So so exactly. I'm glad you asked that because we 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 spend a lot of time talking about the notification API, and I know there's a lot of questions and requests about the export API. So export API, very different, right? It's it's not real time access to messages. It's actually access to messages at rest when those messages land in the user mailbox. And so this is the right way to interface and retrieve messages from, from the user mailbox. With the Exo API, you can specifically request messages from a specific user or a specific team. So there's two different Exo API, one for user chat messages. And there you will say, you know, get, get all messages for slash chat slash user, you know, ID. And so you'll, you'll get all the user messages coming in that API call. And you can do the same with, with the team, you know, team ID and get all messages for that specific team. And, and are those subject to the licensing then too, right? So am I, if I ask for a user who doesn't have E5, I'll get that 402 call that you were saying, right? Or the, whatever there is. Uh, if it's a security compliance solution, you need to declare it model A, a license check will, will be enforced and uh, you'll, you'll get forward to if the, if the user is not licensed. Okay. Now, if I ask for a team, let's, you know, if the three of us are in a team and I make this call for a team, if, if, if one of us has the license, am I going to get that user's messages or am I going to get a subset of what's in the team or nothing from the team? What, what's that? Yeah. So it's a very, very good question. So take a step back to just talk about another distinction for expert API. With the channel notification API, that's a subscription push notification model you get only messages sent by users, right? User send a message, it shows in the Webhook API. User, user update the message, it shows in the Webhook API, but it's only the sender, right? So you get the message information plus the sender information. In export, which is more optimized for the compliance use case, uh, the compliance use case require, you know, the regulators require to capture all the messages the user was exposed to, which means you need the message the user sent and the message the user received. And so for that purpose, the seated capacity is actually a higher seated capacity because you'll get more messages, you know, in the export API. If I'm, if I, if I in a, in a thread and I don't send any message to the thread, there are still messages I can read and you will get those in the export API. Uh, when you do it in a team, let's think about that for a second. 
let's say we have, we have 50 people, people, people in the team, and only one user in that team is subject to compliance, and only one user has the license, of course, you know, to, the, to, to get the compliance features. But when you export the team messages for that team, because there's one single user that's subject to compliance, and the, requirement, the, re the regulatory requirement is to get everything the user was exposed to, we need to send back all messages of that team. Right? Even if the user didn't send a message, it was just reading messages. So with the export team, the license enforcement uh, works on, you know, there needs to be at least one user license in that team for your app to get all messages that were sent across all channels of that team. And what if I don't send in the model A or model B parameter? Do I still get stuff or do I get an error back on that? Uh, you don't get errors. You do get stuff. But if you don't declare model A or model B, that puts the API in an evaluation mode. So here you get throttled. So the, the app will get 500 messages through the API uh, every month, and, and, then it, and then you get the, the 402 error, right? So, so you cannot really leverage the non-declaration. Like the, the, and this is important because uh, you know, in Beta, the, you know, we had no, so you, have, you might have developers there that now with the GA of the API, need to go and change the way they call the API because if they'll continue to call it without declaration, the API will just fall into an evaluation mode and will be, um, message will be kept at uh, 500 messages per app, not per user, per application per month. You know, and I want to I want to make a distinction there. I like that you said the messages are capped because when I'm a if I'm using the graph and I see the word throttled, it thinks I'm making too many calls too soon. I get a four two nine. I should go to sleep and wake up. What you're saying is we're going to cap the the results that you get back in evaluation mode. That's correct. Uh, one thing that came up with a partner yesterday, Yaron, was uh, the definition of message. So when I talk about message, you're not talking about the conversation thread, you're talking about individual message unit in the user experience, right? So like a reply to a thread is considered a message as well. Yeah, so it's any message results you get through the API. So it can be a user creating a you know, new message, it can be a reply to a message, an, up, an update to the message, right? So you, you enter the message, then you went and changed the message, you know, that comes as another message. If it's a, even if it's a bot sending a message, because we support that in the API, you know, the, the user was exposed to that message, uh, as well as what we call control messages. And control messages are just a set of messages sent by the system. You can go to every chat thread or meeting, and if you look at the top, you'll see some, some messages coming from the system that says, meeting started, you know, this user has joined, the title was changed. So we also provide this information. We call those control messages, and they will also come through the API. Very useful message, by the way, to determine certain things uh, for your application. But any message that comes through the API will be counted because this is a cons this is a consumption meter, right? So so whatever flows through the API will be counted and will be taken against kind of the seed capacity or or charges that might occur. So to Paul's point on the 402s for like hitting limits from a CD capacity perspective, and then obviously being metered after that or being metered altogether if you're a Model B, are there throttling limits on the API as well? Like how quickly you can call the API? Yeah, no, good question. So we published a generic graph API throttling for the regular REST APIs. For the export API, which as I mentioned, is meant for tenant-wide bulk export of many messages. 
you know, we extended that. So for Team Expert API, we support up to 200 RPS per app per tenant and 600 RPS for, you know, for application. And so this limit should be able to help you kind of bulk export, you know, team messages uh, for your app. So, ex- so ex- extended throttling limits for the expert API, for sure. Now, we said uh, repeatedly I can get everything in a channel or everything for a user. So th- that implies in my brain that's an app-only permission, which means a tenant administrator's got to get involved, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love your question. So, uh, absolutely. So expert API is only available in app permission to uh, access this type of, of level. It requires, of course, tenant admin consent to export all the messages same goes with the uh, channel notification API, the webbook API. When you subscribe to the tenant, the tenant needs to consent for your app to get access to these messages and for Microsoft to send the messages you know, to your callback URL. In the case of the subscription model, because we push the messages to your callback URL in order to secure that, that content and to, to protect customers, uh, we also require encryption. Uh, as a developer, you, you need to provide encryption keys. Uh, all messages go through the callback, you know, through the, you know, the, the service to the callback URL encrypted, and you have to decrypt it on the other side. And this is really useful in, uh, you know, to protect against like domain takeover, for example, because we don't have a way, like if, if someone takes over your domain maliciously or, or you forgot to renew it, Microsoft does not have a way to know that this callback URL is now in the wrong hands, right? But of course, if it's if it's all encrypted, then yeah, yeah, that that that's just what we can do to protect customer data. Right, right. Receiving those notifications, and so I noticed, well, from a license perspective, if I've got a developer tenant and you get the twenty five licensed users as a developer, a nice for you, or you know, an enterprise developer wanting to kick tires on this, they can essentially leverage that seeded amount for the twenty five users and get X amount through the Model A. And then I guess if they go over that, then they will be charged. How would that look from a bill perspective? You mentioned earlier on about you register an Azure AD app like you normally would and put these permission strings in there. But what does that mean for the developer? Is there a, I mean, I'm pretty sure like every Azure tenant needs a credit card, right? So it's going to start billing them once they go over that CD capacity. Uh, correct. So that's part of your Azure you know, as your kind of uh, agreement with, with Microsoft. And and by the way, because those meters are part of the Azure platform, if you have Azure credits, you can use those against, you know, any Azure charges that comes in. So that's also important to understand. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. So I think there's a free tier for Azure or like a, if you if you start Azure, you get some some sort of credit at start. Yeah, developers can leverage, you know, you, you can get the, the M365, you know, E5 developer account that comes with 25 Users evaluation for I can I can recall if it's like 30 days or 90 days, but there's some some time that you can use the developer account or renew it, and so you can theoretically leverage that for your testing, right? So and and you're encouraged to 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 use the developer account tenant kind of uh, account for your testing. So if you if you take that with Xcode API and to 25 user that you get as part of the evaluation in license of the tenant gives you 40,000 messages, right? 25 times. 1600 uh, in the export case, it gives you 40,000 messages you can send through the, you know, through your app for that that is registered against this developer tenant, you know, for your testing and evaluation. But you have to just think through that and be careful. About, you know, if you if you go above the 40,000 allocated 
your app will, you know, your app which is registered with your Azure ID will will get charged for those uh, access fees. Let's face it, like the de- developer tenants barely have any Teams data going on anyway, right? Like, exactly. So for evaluation purposes, Megan Bowen's good. not that chatty in my developer tenant on a daily basis. Yeah, but you know, but there's an edge case here that. I want to bring up, right? So th- this came up with some new developers I was onboarding. We get them a developer tenant and they can register an app using the, the AAD part of the portal, but they don't have a subscription. It's just the, you know, Azure, a directory only in Azure. So in theory, I could get a developer account and start doing this and I don't have an Azure connected tenant. If you declare Model A, it's a subscription to that API. And so a credit card will be requested uh, and you need to enter it. But if, if you don't want to use a credit card, then then don't use any declaration, uh, but you also don't get the capacity. So with no declaration, the API, you know, there's no license requirement. You can get messages, but up to 500 messages, again, for that testing of that API. So, you, yeah, like if you, when you test, you don't have a lot of messages going back and forth. And, and that 500 message should, should be good for you to, to, to do kind of the initial testing. And we will monitor. Like I, 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 want, to, I want to make sure developers know that we care about our developers and about our ecosystem. And so we will monitor usage. And if we'll, if we'll start to realize that the 500 messages might limiting developer ability to experiment with the API, those are values that we can you know, potentially change in the future if, if, if we decide that it need, we need to. Is there any kind of like cost calculator? Like if someone wanted to like get an idea with a customer of what it might cost, is there something, anything we're doing there yet in that space? Not yet, but this is a, this is a request I heard from from many partners. So um, definitely something that we are looking into. In two ways, I'm looking at that. How can we provide better documentation with some examples to give people more more idea of uh, Hey, if you have a customer with 10,000 users, you can expect this type of volume of messages and provide some sort of examples and estimates. So that that's just something that will go. Yeah, I, I must admit your licensing page right now, I've learned some things based on this discussion. I'm like, oh, we should really update that page. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Azure does a good job in that when you go to Azure pages for cognitive services or even for the Azure communication services, uh, ACS, you know, just, just some good documentation there that talks about examples, right? You know, five users sending 20 messages, you know, how much will it cost me? So I think we need to do a better job on that, and, and I'm working with, my, with our technical team to go and update documentation. Uh, but I'm also exploring ways where we can provide, potentially provide in the future some, some estimator tool that you can fit in some, some real data to it, and it, gives you, it helps you understand what cost might be. You know, but the unknown there is, uh, I have no idea how chatty my users are. I don't know how many messages are being sent. You know, I mean, if a team is created maybe for a customer project I'm in a, and it's a repeatable process, I understand that. But sometimes I just don't know, right? <laughs> and and so that, to me, I guess that's the, nothing we can do at the moment here, but some for some feedback for you there from the external, there's, you know, hey, by the way, maybe let me say in your tenant teams, average X number of messages or something like that. Yeah, well, I, I, I can share with you what I hear from the partners that I work with, right? So, you know, we are, I'm part of the Teams ecosystem team. We work with many partners and early on, with some partners that we work early on to, you know, evaluate our, our APIs and business models as well as with partners that we uh, meet along the way. And so there are three, I think, business models that I have seen of emerging through our conversations. Microsoft published, uh, you know, the rates for 
you know, accessing and, and extracting messages out of Teams to your application. It's, there's high value in this scenario for your business. You will provide you real-time access or bulk access to messages in Teams, and you can, you know, developers build, you know, their business on that. Some developers tell me, hey, we don't know how much our customers will, will chat, so we'll, we'll just pass those terms to them, and, and if they get to the access messages, we'll... we'll charge our customers for that access messages. No secrets around that. Like it's, it's published kind of policy. Uh, and, with the, and they say, we'll just, you know, you charge 75 cents per thousand messages, we'll charge 75 per thousand messages. I heard from other partners that say, well, yes, that's, my, that's what Microsoft charge. We provide added value because we take those messages and we create some business around that, whether it's analytics or security compliance or backup. We, you know, we might charge a premium on that. And that's, again, a different business model that a developer might go with. And then specific for security compliance solutions, I heard another model, which I, I like the most because I think it, it, it provides great value for the customer. It provides great value, value for the developer. And because you get the seeded capacity, and the intention here that with the seed capacity, majority of customers will not see, kind of the, will not reach the excessive fees and generate consumption, you can charge a flat fee for your license, for your services, and know and kind of be assured that the, ma the majority of your customers might fund those edge customers that will generate some consumption, right? So the promise of the customer would be, don't worry about that. Can we provide you a solution? This is the license for us. And, you know, we take care of you. For the developer, again, there's an opportunity here to, you know, to, to build a business model that can make some revenue on the general customers that they sell to. Now, those are three different ways I heard developers and partners that are thinking about how to tackle this new cost that they may incur. I'm not, or Microsoft is not in a position to tell you how you should build your app or run your business. But I want to share this because I, I think it's, it's, it's good, good data that we hear from, from different partners. And, and to be clear, like the Azure AD registration effectively is the partner creating a, a multi-tenant application. So the bill will include all the tenants it's connected to. So I'm a successful backup provider. I have 10,000 customers. I'm basically, my one invoice is going to have a bill with 10,000 tenants worth of metered charges on it. That's correct. And the, the, the commerce, the, the Azure commerce uh, platform allows you, you know, through their tools, you can extract the data and see exactly which tenant contribute to what cost. So you, you have tools to understand that one line bill. You touch on another point I, I, I want to emphasize because it's coming from a lot of partners as well. Uh, I hear a lot of developers or partners ask me, so wait a minute, who is getting the bill? Right? So it's important to explain here that the Azure tenant that the app is registered with will get the Azure bill, right? So there, there is a model where you build, you register a multi-tenant app in Azure directory against your own Azure tenant and you service many customers. And in that case, you, the app developer, will get the charges in your tenant. There's a different model that we see with many still hybrid kind of customers where the app developer will register an app, an Azure app against the customer tenant, right? So there's app per tenant, not a multi-tenant app. Um, and so if the solution is an app that is being deployed within the customer on Azure domain, then the charge will go you know, to that customer, right? So again, the rule of thumb is 
Right. So some ISVs might prefer that if they don't want to handle the on-billing and the customer wants to do it. Correct. So it's just a different deployment model. Of course, if, if you have an app ID per customer and you have 1,000 customers, you need to manage 1,000 apps, right? So, so it's just a different model. Yeah. Well, there's also the model have the customer register the app themselves and then just, you know, share the certificate, you know, and then, you know, off you go. It's a customer's problem. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of scenarios. Yeah, and we, and we do hear that from many uh, large financial services who are still on-prem and, and, and don't trust the cloud yet <laughs> and they want everything to happen in their own, you know, uh, uh, premise, uh, they will ask some, you know, they will ask the registration to be on their own on site. But it's just two different models. We definitely encourage developers to build multi-tenant apps. It's the way to go if you have a service that you would, you know, you're fully in the cloud, you have one app, you know, or, or a few apps, if you, 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 can, you might have one app per region or something like that, you know, through this one app, you can maintain, you know, thousands of your tenants. Cool. Well, look, thanks for your time, Yaron. I know um, the documentation, if people are looking for it, there might be a fancy AKA link I'm not aware of, but if you do a search for graph export APIs, it comes up for sure. Oh, graph teams export APIs. We'll have the links in the show notes. Um, if you have feedback for us, please let us know on the at M365 dev podcast Twitter handle, and we'll make sure that Yaron gets them through the channels we are always listening on for feedback on these things. And um, I, I learned a lot today, Yaron, actually. I know I've been having these discussions with you for months as we've gone out of preview of this stuff, but there's a few things there that have really cleared things up for me. So I appreciate your time today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. It's really, you had some good questions today. So thank you for the opportunity to share that with, with our uh, listeners. And uh, yeah, looking forward to continue the, the dialogue and getting more feedback. Uh, we're listening and we're improving the platform every day. Cool. Thanks so much, man. And thanks, Paul, for joining us today as well. It's cool. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 